Blog Talk Radio. yourself in danger when you're threatened by a stranger when it looks like you will take a licking <laughs> there is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you just call for super chicken welcome to the backyard poultry with the chicken whisperer radio show brought to you by calm Pock feeds my name is andy schneider but most know me as the chicken whisperer author of the chicken whisperer's guide to keeping chickens National Spokesperson for the USDA Biosecurity for Birds Program and Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Each week I welcome experts in their field to share their knowledge about different topics including backyard poultry, show poultry, heritage poultry, gardening, cooking, and of course living a self-sufficient lifestyle. Be sure to visit us online at chickenwhisperer.com where you can follow us on Twitter, become a fan on Facebook, and subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Once again, I would like to thank all of you for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feed. At Kalmbach Feeds, our layer pellets and crumbles are all natural, antibiotic-free, with no animal byproducts. Formulated just for laying hens, our feed is fortified with essential amino acids and calcium to ensure maximum production of nutritious, tasty, strong-shelled eggs. From our family to yours, feed your hens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome, goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Find a dealer at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H, feeds.com. Or order your layer pellets and crumples today on amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. Tasty Grubs by Tasty Worms Nutrition are the original dried black soldier fly larva made right here in the USA. Tasty Grubs are high in protein and calcium, vital nutrients for laying hens. Customers have reported an increase in shell quality, egg taste, and a reduction in molting time. For a limited time, get a bag of Tasty Grubs 100% free. Simply enter tastyworms.com forward slash whisper into your web browser and add one to your cart today. Save 10% on all other products such as dried mealworms by entering the coupon code whisper at checkout. That's tastyworms.com forward slash whisper. Hey, it's the Chicken Whisperer. If you're in the market for a new incubator, then look no further than GQF. They have a great selection of tabletop and cabinet-style incubators at prices you can afford. I love my GQF Genesis Model 1588. It has a large picture window and an automatic thermostat, which makes for a better hatch every time. Go pick out your new incubator at GQFradio.com. That's GQFradio.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. 
Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at idealpoultry.com. That's idealpoultry.com. you provide a heat source for your backyard chickens in the winter? In most cases, it's not necessary. But if you choose to provide a heat source for your backyard chickens, it's imperative to use a safe and effective heat source, and the only one I recommend is the Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe, completely sealed, washable, non-breakable, energy-efficient, long-lasting and reliable specific area heater that comes with a three-year warranty. Ditch the dangerous heat lamp this season and invest in the only heater I recommend, the Sweeter Heater. Purchase the Sweeter Heater online at SweeterHeater.com. That's SweeterHeater.com. Ware Manufacturing has been building quality hutches since 1983. Ware manufactures modern chicken hutches, barns, pens, and nest boxes designed especially for the backyard flock. Ware offers hutches and pens for every yard size and every chicken keeper's budget. Visit their website at waremfginc.com. That's W-A-R-E-M-F-G-I-N-C.com. Or call them to find a retailer near you at one 888 824-7257. Ware Manufacturing. Hi, I'm country music artist Nathan Osmond, and you're listening to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. And the mighty bird against prejudice continues his fight for law and order. So when you hear that cry in the sky... <laughs> You'll know it's Super Chicken. All righty. Thanks for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Kalmbach Feeds. Went ahead and went through uh, the first commercial break, so we got that out of the way. So we just bring on our good friend, poultry scientist. You know it. That's why you're here. <laughs> Dr. Bridget McRae, Ph.D., and uh, got a great show lined up for you today. Uh, really, uh, brooding basics, uh, all about brooding, and we're going to be talking, it's, it's seasonal now, it's time to talk about this. In fact, um, you know, I was talking to uh, my wife and everybody else I was on the phone with uh, this morning about um, the busy season, and uh, my goodness, it really is. Everything kind of comes to a head at once as well. Um, uh, the deadline for Chicken Whisperer Magazine, the spring issue, is is upon us. Uh, I've got a deadline for the Fact or Chicken Poop book. I've got, what else have I been doing? Um, getting the new contest ready for uh, the magazine. Um, gosh, there's a gazillion other things, too. Um, it's all in my email. <laughs> so it's been uh, crazy this morning. I just got sent over a preliminary cover for the Fact or Chicken Poop book. I'll be sharing that here in a few minutes over on our Facebook page. And uh, things are really coming around with that. Looking forward to it being published probably uh, early to spring of next year, 2018. So really looking forward to that. Uh, we got the final copy of the revision of the first book, The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens. And uh, it's got to be done and reviewed by tomorrow. And then that's going to be sent back. And it'll go to its second uh, um, uh, revision or the printing of the second edition of that book. So some things were taken out, some things were put in. So I'm um, really proud of that, and just because of the things going on. But let's talk about brooding. Um, I, I cover this topic at every single event that I do because it's really where I think where most people start. Uh, most folks that get into the backyard poultry uh, movement, if you will, incubator and hatching out chicks. They either order them online or um, buy them at the feed stores, let's face it. And so when they get those chicks uh, they all need a brooder set up. And even if the people who want to start with hatching, they'll still need a brooder set up. So the only people who really don't need a brooder is the ones that just start with started birds or full-grown uh, chickens, adult ones, ready to go outside into the coop. So uh, I spend a lot of time on brooding uh, in my workshops. People appreciate that. And, and uh, to really kind of boil it down, there's five things that need to go into a brooder. you got the brooder itself, some type of container to contain the baby chicks, uh, bedding, 
a water source, food source, and a heat source. There you go. And if you want to add some type of cover or netting to keep them from flying out in a couple of weeks, you can add that too. But primarily, five things are incorporated in a brooder. And each one of those five things, there's probably another 50 different types of those five things <laughs> that you can use. So uh, we, we do spend a little bit of time talking about the different types of brooders, and especially uh, over the years, getting, getting away from the all-popular heat, dangerous heat lamp uh, that, that so many people use. And we talk about that even in the feed stores that sell them. Um, I got a whole ordeal and, and routine that I go through about the dangerous heat lamps. And so, of course, we recommend the Brincy Eco Glow or the um, sweeter heater, um, safer type of heat source. Uh, in fact, uh, if you remember correctly, back about a year ago, I think it was a year ago this month, a year ago February, um, a veterinarian, of all people, right, a veterinarian up in Maine uh, was killed, dead, in her house, burned to the ground uh, because she was brooding baby chicks in her bedroom, a uh, heat lamp, and uh, it caught her house on fire. She was in there. And she, she died. So now there's death associated with these dangerous heat lamps, uh, misuse, whatever the case may be. And uh, we, I don't know if anybody on the planet preaches that more than me. So um, we'll talk a little bit about that today as well. Some alternatives, different bedding, different containers. And I've used them all, I think, over the years uh, from an $8 plastic little kiddie pool that we bought at Walmart to Rubbermaid bins to the little cardboard things you can get in the little kits to the plastic things you can get to the kids' bathtubs, um, you know, old bathtub in the backyard. Or, you know, I think I've just used everything, cardboard box and all these things that, you know, we don't recommend uh, through the years. I think I've used them all. And um, it's just uh, and I share that in, in the book as well. So, hey, let's go right to the phone lines, and we will welcome our good friend, Dr. McCray. Uh, hey, Doc, Hi, how you doing? Andy. Thanks for doing. Hey, glad, thank you for joining us today. So glad. Hey, it is a time change. You had called me and said, oh, yeah, it's uh, 1 o'clock here in uh, in Auburn versus 2 o'clock <laughs> on the east. Yeah, Here's we used that. to be in the same time zone, and we could. Then, then I realized today, I'm like, oh, crud. <laughs> I'm in a different time zone now. Oh, I'm going to have to take care of this right after lunch. Okay. <laughs> Exactly. I thought this would be a good topic. It's a timely topic. It's not. It's not brain surgery, but things people have got to, got to think about. We want to make it uh, easier. We want smarter, not harder, and don't reinvent the wheel. That's what we've always been about. Right. So your absolute most despised box or or container material in all your years of experience. What was it? Easy, and it's in the book, a $8 plastic kiddie pool from Walmart. And I remember it so vividly. I was out and about, and I thought, wow, this could really revolutionize. This could be this could be awesome. <laughs> it was the worst thing I've ever used. Uh, low sides, uh, trying to reach all the way across to gather the chicks if, it's, you know, if you can't access all the way around it. And then you try to put netting up around it, and then they get caught between the netting, unless you put netting just over it. And then they only got, you know, that's eight inches, you know, deep maybe. Um, and so if you try to put an, uh, netting up beside it, they jump, still jump over and get caught in between it, and you're chasing them around. The pool. It, it was horrible. Um, never recommend it, never use it ever again. So I've heard a couple of people have had success with it, worst thing ever. So on the opposite end of that, uh, so that, that was horrible, never used again, never recommend it to anybody. Uh, it was not fun, all the different problematic things. But the best thing I've ever used, um, and it's not for everybody, but the best brooder I've ever used, and I, and I tell this in, in my classes, it's the dollar for dollar. If you look at every single product on the planet for uh, the backyard chicken hobby um, and lifestyle, dollar for dollar is the best value you can buy based on time savings, ease of use, making the job easy, i.e. brooding. Uh, the, go down the list. It is awesome. Is that GQF Universal Brooder Box, stainless steel. And I say it's not for everybody only because if you're just doing this one time or maybe two times, that's it, it may not be realistic for you regarding the investment. They're about um, $239. Uh, people are still using the ones today they bought in the 50s. So it would be a long time. You know, you get your money out of it. That's um, but but as far as all of the features... Oh, you're talking the about heat, the ones that stack, right? That have the heating element in it already? 
Exactly. Or you could just have the single unit, and, and it's got the tray that slides out. They even got sheets that are pre-cut. Oh, that you can... Aren't they just wonderful? I remember the first time I ever saw them was when I got to college. And I think, awesome. you know, oh, geez. And I'm sitting there going, where was this when I was, you know, know when I, I know when I was booting them in the bathroom? And I'm sitting there going, I could have saved up for this. There's also dollar for dollar, though it sounds a lot. Two thirty nine, uh, lasting for fifty years, and 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 if you look oh, at the yeah. time, cons- the ease of clean, the time it takes to clean, it's just the best value in backyard poultry altogether. And um, I got one, and I uh, got done using it. So this is I donated it to a youth, uh, the ABA Youth um, Club in in um, I think it was Northeast Northwest Georgia, I believe it was, and uh, they're still using it today. It's it's a, it's fabulous. So going from the worst to the best, and then it, really there's anything in between. I would say today the most popular in this backyard poultry hobby uh, lifestyle. I think the most popular that most people use is a uh, been using it for years. Just a Rubbermaid bin. You know, they go to Walmart. Yes. They buy the large made bin that they can find. Some of them get real clever and use the lid and, and get a drum roll and cut out kind of the center and lay the heat lamp, that type of thing if they're using the heat lamp. But I think that's probably the most commonly, uh, I think number two, ready for this, I think number two is their their guest bathroom, their guest bathtub. <laughs> and, and I can just see <laughs> yes. pictures. And uh, so they'll put them in the guest uh, bathtub and um, and do that. So um but yes, there's a there's a gazillion of them. You know, you got an old bathtub, claw tub, or something out in the uh, the back uh, storage facility. There you go. You got a you got an old refrigerator that's not working anymore. Put on its back. Open up that big yep. refrigerator door. It's got a deep, elongated bin. That, I mean, you, you you can be creative, and it doesn't have to cost you a dime. No, refrigerator boxes. If you see a neighbor who gets a new appliance and and maybe they're tossing the box, ask for it. That's something that's at least disposable if that's what you're looking for. And really the size and the shape of the box that you get determines the rest of the equation. What size and of uh, feeders and waters and um, how easy it is to clean. And, and if you get something really small, then you know, maybe you only need a small sweeter heater or something like that. So your investment um, is is lessened in that case and my biggest concern is uh, make sure it's easy for you to use and clean or you're not going to do it like you experienced with the kiddie pool it was a pain in the rear and if that had been your first experience with raising chickens it probably would have been your last experience with brooding chicks so um, you know, realizing that everybody is different and everyone's needs are different, but if you if you find bending over to be a problem, go get an old table at Goodwill or the Habitat for Humanity Restore or someplace where, you know, there's just an old table where you can set a brooder box up on it so that you don't have to bend, you know, bend over so far. Um, I just think that if you can make it easy on yourself, you will be happier in the long run. Be willing to change the circumstances if they just aren't working for you. Um, if you see that you know, a lot of dust is being created in that guest bathroom, all of a sudden you've got family coming. You know, Just be willing to change the location and and not sacrifice the overall overall well-being of your your brooding chicks in the process. So yes, I really like rubber rubbermaid bins. And the first time I ever saw anybody do that was one of my good friends and and poultry artist, um Catherine Plummer. She every week would have hatches go off for about 8 or so weeks. And you know, she would have like five to four or five bins in the sunroom and which was great it was a sunroom it it stayed pretty warm in there especially during certain times of the the day and you know she only had to provide supplemental heat 
for the really small bins, but then because it was an enclosed space and it was a sunroom, as they got older, like say week four and five, she didn't have to provide the real supplemental heat. You were getting up to some pretty decent temperatures in there. Then she would move them outside to what she called her brooding pen, which was separated from all the adult birds in the breeding uh, pens. And along the way, each week, as she was moving them around the room to um, cleaned out containers, she would call the birds if a bird was the wrong color or had side sprigs or crooked toes, crooked beaks, wrong eye color, all those things that um, show folks are, are selecting for. You know, she she didn't need quite as much space in that brooding pen uh, at the end of the the brooding period. And, of course, as they were leaving the brooding pen, she was, you know, she really did some some big-time selections there so that she was only really keeping maybe 20 birds out of, oh, maybe 30 birds um, out of uh, her her one particular line at the end of, of every year, even though she may hatch out 300. So, you know, you need to set yourself up for success. One of the things I've seen people do uh, much as you described with the netting issues, is a lot of people go, well, I don't need that. And yeah, you do. A couple things. I like using window screens and just setting them over the top. That way, if something drops on the on the top of the coop, it doesn't drop directly into the brooder and scare the chicks or even hurt them. Because, yes, it is a bathroom, and, yes, sometimes kids lose grip on stuff as they're trying to to bring it in and out of that room for the baby chicks. If you've got, they may get excited when they see the, the brooding chicks and want to be in there with them, possibly even consume them. So you may want to put that, um, just an old window screen that's intact over the top of it. So if Kitty wants to watch the bird for a few hours obsessively, <laughs> it can just perch right on the top there and it's not going to get in. And to some degree, some people, depending on the size of the wire that they use, um, they can keep the dust levels down just a little bit. And that's an easy, you know, weekly clean out. You just hose off that, um, hose off and scrub that uh, wire screen uh, on a weekly basis. And it dries pretty quickly. The other thing that I want people to consider is if you're brooding in so indoors, you've got dust issues. That's really dependent on the bedding that you use. Uh, we've talked about the big no-nos for bedding. And what's your absolute, positively most hated bedding and why, Andy? Oh, wow. Let's see. Really for the brooder, I'm going back through all of our training classes and workshops, really the two no-nos we talk about, there, there are two. One, of course, is sand, um, and then the other one, and, and it's really interesting because it's kind of a myth out there, is the cedar shavings. Now, I tell folks, you get on any of these blogs, and it's, oh, cedar shavings, respiratory problems. That's a, yeah, use. that's a myth. We'll get to that right. in a minute, but are you sure there's not another one that's a big no-no that you can recall? Uh, oh well, of course I never rec. Well, never done. It never comes up because I think most people across the board, and that would be newspaper, um, yeah. is kind of kind of a no-no. And because because actually, it's and a lot of people refer to. Well, it's it can be slick, and they'll get spraddle leg because they're trying to stand up and whatnot. Um, and uh, so so newspaper would be a no-no. I just didn't like newspaper because of and I've tried them all share the experiences. Um, it just gets so nasty and so wet, so gross and smells bad and it doesn't, it's not, you know, yeah. So It's uh, not you know, absorbent. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just nasty. And you will have um, just, you know, the moisture gets uh, pulled down into the paper and it just doesn't have anywhere to go. So you get some higher ammonia levels too. Um 
yeah, and it's just it can it can even stain your chicks a little bit if you're using magazine paper or something like that. Some of those inks come off, and their little feet get stained. Um, and you know, some people are concerned about every single thing that their chicks come in contact with. So if it's if it's dye that might be a carcinogen, that may be a big no-no for for folks. So you know, toxic. Um, components and some of the dyes and papers and just just stay away from it overall stick to shavings yes there is a big question out there what are cedar shavings doing to birds and I still say to this day there's no evidence that says that the respiratory system of a bird is being affected yes I'd like to do that research and someday we may do that Andy but What I found um, years ago, and, and actually, I'm going to tell you this too, because in every class I've ever done, at least in the last five years, I challenge all the participants. There could be 10, there could be 200 in the class. And to this day, almost probably at least five years, maybe close to a decade, I tell them, I said, if you, I challenge them, if you ever find, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, it could be in a, in a, in a file drawer somewhere at some university way in the back, you know, so if you find proof, I said, I will buy you a $100 gift card to any store you want. And I still have yesterday had anybody send me the information. Now, what we did find was that it can be harmful to other small type of animals and rodents because there is a toxin. Lab animals. Yeah, toxin that's it's released. They breathe it in. It gets into the bloodstream, and they die of liver failure because the liver is trying to get all this toxin out of their blood system but not baby chicks. So, yeah, absolutely, we share that with folks. And uh, but yeah, my worst, of course, sand and newspaper, and then the cedar shaving. And I'm like, you know, just for the case. And, and tell people why sand doesn't work so well. Oh, geez. Well, of course, you don't want them to mistake that for food and eat the sand, and and don't even think, don't even start me on the grit with baby chicks. But um, that issue, <laughs> we are bedding, regardless if it's the poop or fruiters, the bedding we want to be two things: soft and absorbent. Sand is neither. Um, so right off the bat, you have two big check points. The two most important things, bedding, soft and absorbent, and sand loses out on both of those, whether you're talking about poop bedding. And uh, it gets we, we cold. Just, we've discussed this with a countless number of experts, and it's it's the issue where um, – um, what was the other issue I was going down that, that road? Um, and and, and nobody has, um, nobody's recommended it at all. So it's 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 interesting. Yeah. The only advantage, because there'll be a whole list of disadvantages on this page, and then and then maybe one or two on the other pages of advantage. And the advantage that that, that all that, that comes up when we talk to the experts around the country is that you know, the only advantage we see, Andy, is that you know you can take a little um, uh, kind of a slotted spoon, if you will, uh, like you would say uh, cat litter, and go out there and individually out of the coop and pick up the, the uh, chicken weight. That that's you know if you want chickens, buy chickens, folks. I mean, if you want cats, buy cats. But these are chickens. You know, they're not cats. But that's really, at the end of the day, the only advantage that, that most of the experts see. You can individually pick up. You know, that's it. But uh, let's look at all the disadvantages of sand. So, um, so yeah, but the, the cedar shavings. But we also say, you know, hey, we don't have proof. But, God, there's so many other things you could use that, that without having to even in the back of your head thinking, well, maybe it might be bad, like the pine wood shavings, the aspen shavings. Um, you know that that you can use, and and, and the other things that that you can use for for that. So so yeah, most people just don't choose to use it. We think as humans, I think the issue is that we think, oh, I love the smell of cedar, maybe in my uh, drawer, my closet, and and this will mask the smell of the the chicken poop, the rotting. <laughs> I, that's what I think people think. Ooh, cedar shavings, that'll be great. It'll, it'll kind of disguise the smell of the chicken poo, and and of course the rotting smell of the the chick starter when they when they scatter it into the water, and it starts to Rot. Yeah. To me, that smells worse. I mean, when when they scatter the food in the water, that smells worse than just the the chicken poo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the things that I also would like to mention is sawdust. Um, Depending Mm -hmm. on on the size of your chicks, you know, sometimes sawdust might be good for like say um, week two or three, but shavings are great for the first couple of weeks. you know, and, and baby ducks should not be raised on saw dust because they sometimes have a problem with mistaking that for food. And and ducks are known for exploring their world heavily with their beaks and, you know, just 
we do not recommend that you keep ducks on or ducklings on sawdust. Even though it may be readily available, it might be a tad bit cheaper, but you'll be better off with shavings in case they <clears throat> uh, lose their little minds and decide to impact their crop. Yay! There's a vet bill nobody wants. <laughs> uh, so, um, if you're choosing between hardwood and softwood shavings, um, I wouldn't stress over it. If if you've run out of shavings and all that the local pet store has left are cedar shavings and you just need something for a pinch for a couple of days, I really wouldn't lose my marbles over it. Use it and then replace it with the stuff that you normally use when you can get it. Um Feeders. A lot of people are, you know, the simple feeders of like an old butter dish or, you know, an egg flat uh, are easily obtained and easily replaced if they get gicky after a while. Um, However, once birds are past their first couple of weeks, I would recommend putting them. with a regular old chick feeder because you'll stop wasting money. Um, baby chicks like to get in there and start dust bathing in the feed if you let them. And, you know, trying to pick shavings out of there all the time is, is kind of a pain. So we recommend that folks get a chick feeder that has a lid and it tends to be something, you know, practice opening and closing it because if you – um, if you can't get it open or you can't get it back closed, choose different style. I like the plastic ones with hinged lids. They are great. And plastic is easy to clean and disinfect. And since you're going to be doing that weekly, grab two of them, maybe three of them, and just have one that's cleaned and ready to go for for next week and, and have one in there with them, you know, in use. <clears throat> and they do not cost a whole lot of money. Um, you want a, an inch or two per bird. You know, when they're small, they can, you know, it's almost one bird per hole. But uh, if you've got uh, a, a, a one-foot container that has 12 or 12 holes on one side and you've got 25 chicks, you know, that that should take care of them for the first few weeks. Then you might have to put another one down in there. Then you have to rethink your container size. Same with your watering device. Brooder bottles are very popular now, and I know that there's uh, one of the companies that your advertiser has a brooder bottle cap. Um, you can just take a regular old water bottle that you're all done with and screw the bottle cap on there, flip it upside down, and affix it somehow to either the side or the uh, top of your your brooder and the chicks figure out where that water source is pretty quickly and Mm -hmm. I like I like that option because they're affordable Um, they're easily cleanable you just unscrew the cap and then you can if your bottle gets gicky you can just discard it and get a new one Um, whether it's an old soda bottle or an old bottle of water um, you can just screw the new cap on, and you're good to go. Um, open water troughs do have an inherent risk in, in that if they're too large, chicks can flip over and get stuck in there and drown. So during the first two weeks or so, I would say put marbles in there so that if chicks do flip over upside down, they can't immerse themselves and get Mm-hmm. Alternatively, get a quail base, or a, or sometimes it's called a, a chick, but really it's a quail base for your chick waters. Those are, are really tiny openings, which are, makes it difficult when you're trying to dip your newly arrived chick feet into the water so they can learn where the water is. But really, after the first maybe four days, three, four days, um, you can switch over to a regular chick water, but definitely put the marbles in. And, uh, you know, when they're really prone to flipping over and making mistakes in the first few days. 
So that's a, a step or a measure. And you use the same um, quart or uh, two quart size container for the the quail water base as you would with the chick water base. So you're really only switching out the base as needed. Um, the other thing I really like uh, is plastic and metal for waters because it's easier to clean and disinfect. Um, if you go get a five-gallon bucket at Lowe's or Home Depot or even Walmart or you find an, an old five-gallon bucket um, with some of the restaurants near you, uh, you can just take your take apart your feeders and your water and with other equipment you have in there maybe for the birds to use and you make a, a, a soapy solution and you, you dip them in there and scrub them as needed um, on a weekly basis and then um, rinse them off real quick, maybe a, a second bucket for that, and then dip them into a, a, a solution of bleach for 10 minute soak. Then take them out, rinse them off, and let them dry. So it doesn't have to be a big time-consuming ordeal for just brooding your chicks. Um, also, be aware that if you are brooding with shavings or sawdust and you're doing this in the bathroom, do not, under any circumstances, get shavings or sawdust in your drain pipes <laughs> because it will clog them right up, and that's a cost you don't want. Nobody wants that cost. So, you know, maybe do this in a utility room or <coughs> a utility tub or out in the garage with some warm water that you can get from the house so that you don't, you know, your hands don't freeze off as you're trying to do the weekly cleanup. So, you know, we talked about feeders, we talked about waters, bedding, and the container, and that leaves the heat source. Baby chicks are, are almost self-sufficient when they hatch out of the egg. Um, they're a precocial bird species, unlike some other bird species, which are called altricial bird species. Altricial birds hatch out with very few feathers on their body. Um, sometimes their eyes don't open yet. And they really depend on their parents for both warmth and food. So when baby chicks hatch out, they're covered in, in down feathers and they can do a pretty good job of regulating their own temperature, but they do get chilled. So mom does provide some heat, but also protection. Um, mom does not have to bring them food. They can forage for food alongside her. She just needs to teach them, hey, this is a food item. That's not a food item or this is what water smells like, let's go get some water, and, and teach them where the, the food and water sources are within their respective um, home range, wherever that is out in the wild or in the wilds of your own backyard, depending on, on what you have set up. Um, so, you know, they, they're pretty self-sufficient. However, in some parts of the country, clearly not Alabama right now, it's cold. We've just had a bunch of snow. And, you know, you still want those baby chicks? Well, they're, you're going to have to start them at 95 degrees Fahrenheit for their first week of life. And then you drop the temperature down 5 degrees Fahrenheit each week after that. Well, how do you know they're at 95 degrees Fahrenheit? You have a thermometer in the brooder box with them so that you know what the temperature is right down there at the top of the shaving. How are you going to provide them with heat? Well, you could run your home heat to 95 degrees Fahrenheit and have a terrible, terrible bill. Your neighbors would probably call you crazy. But if you've got that kind of cash to spend and you're not willing to burn your house down with a brooder bulb, knock yourself out. But I would say um, you've got to think about uh, perhaps a, um, an infrared heat source, uh, if you are going to use a bulb of any type, it needs to be well affixed. Um, don't use rope. Use chain, little thin chain. Wire, something that's a little sturdier that uh, can't be chewed through or uh, accidentally untied. Uh, I do like... Um, 
I, I do like it when you can adjust the height of things, even if it's a link or two every day. Um, sometimes you've got in your guest bathroom a, a vent that you need to shut so you don't have a draft that impedes all that hard work of the, the heat source you have for your baby chicks. So think about that too. Um, I like sweet heaters a lot. They're one of my favorites. But if you're doing this out in the barn or in a larger space and you've got an old pan brooder, propane-fueled, or natural gas-fueled, go ahead and use that. But again, you're going to be adjusting the height on that. Um, so keep that thermometer in there with the birds so that you know what the temperatures really are. One of those min-max thermometers that are starting to creep out in the garden section of all the big box stores this time of year. Um, the other thing that I really like people to consider, um, the water source. These are brand new baby birds with brand new baby bird guts. And you're going to put chick starter down there for them, which is a food that, you know, is, is, uh, designed for their biological needs at that stage in their life. But, you know, they, they have very little uh, bacteria in their gut um, at this stage. And if the wrong stuff gets in there before the right stuff really gets a hold on them, um, then they can have a real poor start. And nobody wants to hold their birds back. That's never anybody's intention. So what I would say is, if you are comfortable and can afford to do so, um, get your well tested. If you have E. coli levels that are a little too high or, you know, you might want to try using just um, uh, not bottled water, but go get gallons of water for their first um, few weeks. After that, you can start switching them over and, and they'll have to get used to whatever water it is you can provide. Um you know, you want to have them, want them to have a really good start with regard to water. Yes. There's always the age-old question, Andy. Do I feed my chicks medicated chick starter or not? And my response is, if you had them vaccinated with a live coccidiosis vaccine at the hatchery, then no, you do not want to give them medicated chick starter because you will quick undo on that vaccine if you do so. However, if the hatchery that you chose or where the chicks came from did not vaccinate with Coxivac or the coccidiosis vaccine, then absolutely I would do everything in my power to give my chicks the best start possible. So I would give them medicated chick starter. And you're going to give them that for their first eight weeks or so of life. And uh, with that being said, um, some people feel that they don't want any medications whatsoever to come in contact with their chicks and they want as natural of an experience as possible. And I always feel so bad for folks when eventually they come across some parasite that is just doing a number on their bird and they don't intend for that to happen. I either get one or two one of two responses. Uh oh, how do I fix this? Or well, it was meant to be the other live or die. And you are entitled to your own opinions as to how to handle um, that situation. But I always say, if you can prevent, do so. Do whatever you can to prevent the birds from from getting sick or feeling miserable. Because let me tell you, when your gut's on fire, nobody feels good. So I would say, give them a medicated chick starter. And it's not an antibiotic per se. It's an anti-coccidial. Have some understanding of that particular aspect. Um, oh, the last thing I wanted to mention is saltwater systems in people's houses. If you've got that, um, you might have a, 
you might have a, a faucet outside where you need to source your water instead of from inside the house. Um, Saltwater systems can impart a little salty taste to the water. It may be a water softening system for you, but if it adds salt to the water, it, it can cause your chicks to really consume a lot more water than they should, and then they get slick uh, droppings, and then you can get um, you know high ammonia levels. So make sure your water for the chicks is from a um, a, a non-salty source. So that may be yet another reason for you to maybe have your well tested if you're on a well and, and if you know that there's a problem, you know, do due diligence by those young birds. Especially if they've done a lot of um, uh, building and growth around your home where the well is and you've got now runoff from all the all the uh, parking lots or maybe they put an apartment complex mm-hmm. next. So, yeah, if you have a well... Yeah. Um, went down that road with Jen's, Jen's parents who have lived out in the country and the area they live in just exploded and, and um, growth and, and that type of thing. So, yeah, definitely check out if you've had some growth. Hey, I'm going to go to commercial break really quick. Okay. When we come back, i got more things we can discuss and, uh, and can mention. So, folks, we're talking all about rooting basics today with um, Dr. Bridget McCray, Ph.D., and lots of great information. And there will be more. We're talking about pasty butt when we come back and uh, some other things as well about brooding. And uh, so stay with us, and hopefully you're taking some good notes like I am. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Cackle Hatchery is a third-generation, family-owned and operated hatchery. They offer over 193 varieties of poultry shipped directly from their facility in Missouri. It's their mission to enhance your life by providing you with quality poultry for showing, meat, enjoyment, eggs, and pets. They specialize in hatching purebred poultry and shipping day-old chicks right to your local post office since 1936. 4-H and FFA Youth Poultry Clubs get a 10% discount. Check out their website, CackleHatchery.com, for posted weekly specials and discounts. That's CackleHatchery.com. Want to protect your hens from the damage caused by an overly affectionate rooster? Nothing protects hens better than the Hen Saver Hen Apron. Hen Saver Hen Aprons come in several different sizes to fit both bantam and large fowl hens. They also come in several different styles and colors. Give your hens the protection they deserve by purchasing Hen Saver Hen Aprons today. 100% of all proceeds goes to provide care to rescued animals at Crazy K Farm in Hempstead, Texas. Purchase your Hen Saver Hen Aprons at hensaver.com. That's hensaver.com. Come back. Come back. Come back. Come back. Come back. From our family to yours, feed your chickens the way nature intended. Pure, wholesome goodness. Kalmbach Feeds. Visit our website at kalmbachfeeds.com. That's K-A-L-M-B-A-C-H feeds.com. Or order today on Amazon.com. Kalmbach Feeds is a proud sponsor of the Chicken Whisperer. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Strombergs family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Strombergs should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at strombergschickens.com. That's strombergschickens.com. 
Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. Hope you're enjoying today's show with uh, Dr. Bridget McCray, and uh, we're talking all about brooding basics. We'll bring her back uh, live, and I'm going to let her finish up. She's got an outline, and then I've got a few things that uh, we'll talk about as well that normally comes up when we're doing workshops. Well, one of the things I wanted to mention is being in the uh, poultry science field, I understand the the effects of keeping birds warm and comfortable during brooding. And a case in point, um, I was just looking up a study that um, if you brood at two different temperatures, if you've got a high temperature and a low temperature, so they're just a little bit chilled, um, you can actually perhaps see a difference in corticosterone levels and do you remember what corticosterone me- measures, Andy? Corticosterone? Mm, not off the top of my stress. head, I don't, Doc. Gotcha. It's stress. So, um, you know, if, you, if you've if you got a bird that um, is, you know, perhaps not growing as well, it may be a little more stressed, so it might have a, a little higher corticosterone levels and um if your corticosterone levels are high and your growth hormone levels are 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 being affected, you may see some changes in, in the amount of gain according to the circumstances. So um <clears throat> you know, you wanna think about, you know, yeah, my I may not be able to keep the chicks uh, or the the heat lamp as low as I would like. What am I doing to the chicks? Well, they're not screaming their heads off, but you know, if they're just a little bit chilled all the time, they may grow much more slowly. Their stress levels may be just a little bit higher, which in turn may mean that your egg laying. You know, if you got them for egg laying, which a lot of people do, your egg laying laying may be delayed by a few weeks in the long run or something else, some other stressor, they may not be able to fight off as easily. These are things to consider. That's why we talk about getting your chicks off to a good start early on. So those are some of the things that you should be considering, and um, you are going to talk about some of the issues with um, uh, highly mobile uh, digestive tracts. Right, Andy? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, pasty bud, because it's always a hot topic on the <laughs> things about about what it is. And, and it's nothing to, I mean, obviously it can result in death, and uh, it's where your chicken gets locked up because of the fecal matter that kind of uh, builds up uh, just outside the vent and then actually dries to the point to where no more poop's coming out. They get So it's a very simple solution, um, at least all the year. We use just a warm, moist paper towel, and then we just go wiping butts like we would all the, you know, as you would a baby, if you will. And, um, and and I don't know of any real sure sure way of kind of preventing this. I mean, there's the wives' tales out there, um, and some of them are just really contraindicated. But you'll see things like, okay, right. So so I've heard, oh, if you just add some grit to their food, that'll prevent pasty bud. If you add some scratch to their food, that'll prevent pasty bud. If you'll uh, apple cider vinegar will prevent pasty bud. Um, I don't know if you sing Mozart to them, that'll reduce pasty bud. If you, <laughs> the, the, list, the list goes on. I really don't think there's a sure 100%, you know, elimination. But I have noticed over the years that, and this isn't 100%, but I, but I feel that, that, most people would be on board with this. If you have, let's say, 25 chicks in your brooder and you've got seven that have pasty butt today, those seven will probably be the ones that will have pasty butt tomorrow the next day. The other, uh, whatever it is, uh, 14, uh, probably won't. Now, you may have one of those 14 that will develop it, but I've noticed that the same butts I'm wiping today, the same butts I'm wiping in two days from now. So, um, and then normally in about three weeks' time, it seems to just go away. 
And so this is not something you'll have to do for the life of your chicken or the life of those few that have pasty butt. Um, but again, I have not seen anything that says, hey, this uh, is scientifically proven to help reduce or even eliminate this. So, but it's something you want to be aware of because it's probably going to happen in your chicken-keeping lifetime. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And if you're not sure what we're talking about when we say pasty bite, you can go to YouTube and there are several pictures. And We're talking specifically about in chicks, not adult birds. So, um, you know, it can get pretty bad, and you don't necessarily want to just pull any dried material off. You kind of want to soak that in, um, you know, a warm rag or, or hold that chicken's hind end over some warm, soapy water as you loosen it um, so that you're not yanking out feathers um, so soon. Yeah, eventually feathers will start to grow in and push that natal down out of the bird. But if you're yanking it out, then, you know, that's, that's a stress to the bird that they don't need. And sometimes it bleeds and you don't want to put in, you know, a bleeding bird back in with the rest of the chicks because baby chicks do what baby chicks do. And they're going to go, oh, look red. And yeah, pick at that poor bird who's already got a, a uh, an owie on its rear end. So. Mm-hmm. Um, So just some things to consider. Um, Other things like uh, spraddle leg or crooked toes. Um, If you get a preponderance of your flock with crooked toes, if you're ordering them from a hatchery, I would call that hatchery immediately. A bunch of them with spraddle leg or crooked toes, yeah, that's that's where you call that hatchery and say, hey, what's up? You sent me all these problem chicks. Probably the same goes with that, I would say. Scissor beak, yep. cross beak, get a number of those in there. If you, you or if it's got a missing eye or something like that that they missed or, or something something happened in shipment and, you know, they're all injured or something, you call the hatchery. Now, if you're hatching them out yourself, then that's, um, that's you as the hatchery managers. Uh, you've probably got some issues there that may trail back to the breeding adults, or your ability to manage the um, the incubator. Uh, so, you know, you you've in the book you've got some really good diagrams, Andy, of how to fix these problems and take care of these situations. I think it's in the health section of the book, and I would refer folks to that um, and take a look at what we're referring to in, in fixing some of these problems, so that your chicks end up being you know happy chicks and. And they grow up, you know, as as good adult birds. Yep. Happy chicks are good chicks. All righty. Well, hey, thank you very much for uh, coming on today. Great topic, timely topic, as more and more people get into the hobby and um, maybe some of the even more experienced uh, keepers of chickens uh, learned a little bit today or maybe a new uh, tidbit of information. So thanks for coming on. It's always a pleasure. And Dr. McRae comes on twice a month, the first and third Thursday of every month. And I'm looking forward to continuing to work with her on the show. And she's a contributor to the magazine. She's contributing to the Factor Chicken Poop book and co-author of the first book and and uh, we've got some things <laughs> as well. Hopefully, we'll be working. Are you trying together. to say we work together, Andy? Is that what you're referring to? I think I'm we work sure well that. together. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but thanks for joining us today. We'll see you back here in a couple of weeks. Thank you, Andy. Bye. Thank you. Bye, bye. Uh, yeah, so thank you. Hopefully, you enjoyed the show. It looks like uh, next Thursday we'll have Peter Brown also known as the Chicken Doctor. I do not have a topic yet for that show, but I'm sure one will cross my desk uh, early next week. So I'll be sharing that with you over on Facebook and uh, and Twitter. So, um, hey, subscribe to the digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. It's free. You can go to chickenwhisperermagazine.com. You can subscribe to the totally free digital edition. It doesn't cost you a dime. You can you can uh, subscribe in about 30 seconds. And then, uh, hey, you may just be one of those that I really like a real magazine that I can put in a file folder or that I can sit on a rainy day and read in my easy chair. That's cool, too. Uh, we'll mail you one right through the mail. A real live, colorful, beautiful magazine that you can hold in your hands and read. 
and get educated more about your backyard flock, I think it's $9.95 a year. How about that? And you're not going to find any chickens in my magazine wearing clothes. Um, and you're not going to find us allowing anybody on the planet that's kept chickens for six weeks writing articles in our magazine. Um, you know if it's in there, it's science-based, fact-based, study-based information. And uh, it's the fastest-growing poultry publication in the United States right now. So, uh, hey, we thank you very much for tuning in today. We'll see you next week right here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by Calm Bach Feeds. God bless everybody. Uh.